This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Osman, and welcome back for another episode. Uh, I'm really excited to have Stacy Sherman joining me today on the podcast. Stacy, welcome, and please uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you for having me. Yes, I am glad to be here and most known as a customer experience and marketing global keynote speaker, journalist, uh, co-author of two books. I've been coaching and advising people working in corporate for 30 years and host of the award-winning Doing CX Right podcast and love the world of podcasts and content creation and educating people like you, especially as I created a heart and science framework that produces profitable clients and brand loyalty fueled by empowered and valued employees and been walking this talk for a long time as a strategist and practitioner of companies of all different sizes and industries. So thank you for having me. That's great, Stacey. And one thing podcasters love to do is flip the tables on podcasters. <laughs> and so um, it's great. And, and as Stacey said, she's got a fantastic podcast, definitely listen to it. Uh, but it's fun to have her as a guest and uh, give her the opportunity to kind of expound on what she's seeing in the world of CX. And so, Stacy, one of the things I always ask my guests is, I don't think any of us woke up when we were in first grade and said, I want to be a customer experience consultant or practitioner when I grow up. So tell us a little bit about your career path your background, and how you arrived at what you ended up doing for many years now. Yes. I remember to the day of how I ended up in the field, which originally, before the internet, before this content creation and influencer marketing became so big, I was in high school and I was in a class that was advertising. It was called subliminal advertising. And we would examine advertisements, magazines predominantly at that time, TV as well. And looking at the subliminal messages of how brands would get consumers to be interested and buy. So really understanding the psychology and the study of mental mindsets. And I thought it was so cool and interesting and the psychology and marketing, all of that combined. So from that class in high school, I decided I would go to college for marketing. That was really what the field was in that moment. And I fell into my first job was AT&T out of college. And I realized over time between my sales and marketing roles, and then the internet was born and I grew up using the internet to continue to drive sales and, and marketing and branding through different companies and through different roles. 
When I got to Verizon, that's when my boss said to me, I know you're doing this marketing stuff, but I want you to also own customer experience, voice of customer, all these terms. This was around 2013. And we all knew customer service. That's been around forever. But customer experience was a whole nother ball game. That was much broader, much bigger. And so I said to him, I'm like, well, what is this? And he didn't know. He said, go figure it out. And so I did. I really did. This customer experience role started to mold. And I got to mold the Play-Doh as it was growing. And I had three different roles in customer experience, and I chose to then make that a career path. I can tell you about those roles, but just want to make sure that I'm explaining, you know, what you asked me. Absolutely. And and I'd love to hear about those roles. One question, though, before you expound further is I find it interesting. Interesting that you made that linkage linkage to your marketing background, because I remember that as well, that marketing was driving a lot of this and and brand is so important. And one of the things that we talk a lot about is making sure the customer experience is not separate from the brand, but part of the brand. Could you expound a little bit on your views on that with your marketing background and how you got started? Yes. The biggest problem companies have to this day is they don't know where to put CX in those teams. And if it's a really small company, maybe it's just the one person. They don't always understand where it sits in an organization. I've seen it sit within marketing. I've seen it sit within finance, which is not the right message. (laughs) Um, I've seen it confused with HR. In other words, the voice of the employee is not your HR role. HR is really handling your benefits and training to, to a different level. But you need CX as its standalone that works with every organization and pulls everybody together. I think of CX as the glue to the organization. And when those silos happen, that's where companies go wrong and the customer feels it and sees it by so many examples. So I have a lot to say about your question. I'm just going on a tangent. <laughs> Keep going. I love it. <laughs> so so, so t- say the question again to me. So the whole linkage between brand and CX, you know, yeah. what what we saw so often was um, that CX was, you know, this thing over here, you kind of related to it when you, when your boss said, Hey, figure this CX thing out. Sometimes it can, and even in today's organizations, it can sit out there on its own. I mean, one of the things we saw, for example, in the pandemic was when companies needed to contract quickly as customer experience professionals, many of them were impacted by layoffs. And so to me, that was a signal that said, boy, we still aren't there yet. If we think we can sacrifice customer experience as if it were a, you know, a, a travel expense. Um, and, and that, and so connecting it to that brand with your marketing background is what's, what's really intriguing me. Well, it's about consumer behaviors. 
And it's about designing new products and market messaging and pricing strategies from the customer lens, not from my own. My guesses, my hunches don't matter. And so that's where companies go wrong is that they're doing, they're designing and launching from that internal view. I do believe that employee feedback, customer service agent feedback is instrumental, but it cannot replace the customer insights and feedback. And so when people skip that step, that's where it goes wrong. And I would not have realized that had I not had the three different roles within the CX framework and and organizational design. So I want people, listeners to understand that CX, the customer experience, the customer advocate, there's a hundred names for the role. There's a couple areas. So one is e-commerce. One of my roles was making sure that the digital experiences, the e-commerce website, the apps were designed where it was easy. It was intuitive and a lot of testing and learning and user feedback. So that's one area that customer experience has to be at the table when the digital properties are being created, requirements are set, collaborating with IT. That's so important because otherwise you're going to create a website, you're going to have content, nobody's going to understand it, and you're going to wonder why they're not buying and they abandon their card. That's important. The second area and I can spend an hour just on each of these alone. The second area that's important, I had a CX role within new product development. What was so smart is that a lot of companies get feedback after the launch, after go-to-market. And what I learned was the importance of getting customer feedback before launch, way early on. So that you can be in an agile way, improve the experiences and make sure that you are launching, investing based on what the customer really needs. And so there's a lot behind that. And that's where I encourage brands to make sure that you have CX at the table way before launch and then post-launch assessment. That's probably what most companies do, the post-launch assessment, but it starts way early on. The third one, it's really important. So I had CX within a role within the sales organization and marketing. So what that means is I would go to our local sales branches and do a lot of workshops and training to make sure that they understood how they owned the customer experience. And what does that mean? And how do you measure that? Hold them accountable. Go through, live life in their shoes. Actually even go out on the road with them, including technicians. I worked at an elevator company and I would go on the road with a technician and learn what it was like the day in the life of their role 
and help them understand that they're the front line, the customers in front of them every day and helping them understand that they can make or break the brand. So culture, sales training, marketing, branding, messaging, consistency, I can go on and on. So infuse your CX partners in every part of the company decision-making. Stacy, I have to say, I've, I've talked to a lot of CX professionals like yourself, and I, I've rarely heard it so well articulated as you just did about how to be successful in CX, because that's what we're always hearing about is, um, you know, CX professionals don't stay a long time in their job because they get tired of, you know, banging their head up against the wall and not being able to make progress. And I think what you just articulated there was was a real roadmap for success and how CX practitioners can really make an impact in their organizations. Thank you for that. And yeah, this is not guesswork. This isn't Stacy's belief system. This is real facts from experiences, from education. And as mentioned earlier, I created a proven framework called Heart and Science CX Framework that drills down into both the heart, the science, the data, and how you marry it all, even in a world merging with robots, humans and robots, it still applies so that people, leaders can differentiate and gain a competitive advantage way beyond price by following what I've done and what I know works. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> really, really good advice. So, Stacy, we're in a whirlwind here over the last few years. Um, and even as we, I, I suppose the term has emerged from the pandemic, we're still faced with supply chain crisis. We're faced with um, emerging, you know, everybody's talking about chat GPT now and AI and so forth. From your perspective, what do you think is the state of CX today? And then, I, and I'll, I'll give you a heads up. My next question is going to be, and where do you think we're going, Stacy? But mm-hmm. let's start with where, where do you think we're at today? I believe we are at a state of such different mindsets of how we work, where we work, when we work. The gig economy is real. People are choosing to work for brands that allow flexibility. They want appreciation and real design for diversity, equity, and inclusion. They not just employees, but customers also expect personalization, no cookie cutter approaches. And I would say honesty and transparency are taking more importance because even when you say supply chain, And there's challenges beyond our human control. The fact that when brands explain and communicate, look, we're not going to be able to deliver on time. Here's why we're on top of it. I'm going to call you in two days and give you status. 
that's not rocket science. That's human basics. And customers are expecting it. And employees also want full transparency. And guess what? When mistakes happen, people are understanding when there is that honesty and transparency. And people know. It just the truth comes out. So I would say a lot before the pandemic and now, especially the human basics have to be done right before you even worry about the sophisticated technology. Great point, Stacey. So why does it seem so difficult for organizations to get the basics right? One answer. For example, I, I just, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, one answer. The the answer is silos. Mm. It is the biggest detriment to companies, not just human silos, but also data silos. Company information, customer information sits in so many different systems. Companies fail to aggregate even just the voice of the customer. They don't look at it. In fact, departments are designed where you have marketing looking at social media and paid ads and other outside sources. You have another team doing surveys. You have another team managing chat logs and customer service calls. They're failing to bring it all together. So you have data silos, you have human silos, you have communication silos. I can go on and on. (laughs) It's so true. And yet silos have been a problem forever in organizations. How have you found a way to break through those to find the success you were able to in your past roles, but also in the roles you're doing now? There's a lot of tactics that work. One of them, I have many, is the act of journey mapping. Not only does journey mapping where you are coming together across teams to map out how your customer will learn about your product, become aware, buy, get, use, pay, get support, as we know as customer service, not the same thing as customer experience. Uh, One is part of the other. And having people come together more than once to design the customer experience What happens is people understand the domino effect of their roles versus their partners, and they feel more empowered and committed to the entire experience when they design it together. There's also the validation with real customers that what was designed is really meeting needs. And when it's not, the group comes back together and re-optimizes what was designed. But the mere act of coming together, not only is a CX best practice in designing for customer experiences, but it breaks silos. It helps drive more collaboration if and when you do it right. Again, really good words of wisdom. Stacey, tell me a little bit before I, I go on to my promised question about where we're headed. Tell me, in your background and extensive experience in customer experience, what 
might be one of your highlights that you would share that one of your your success stories that demonstrate that this does work i'm sure there are many but i'll ask you for one <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are many i would say my proudest moments is helping to literally turn a global company from being an engineering focused brand to be customer centric. It took a couple of years for all of the programs to implement and the measurements to show results where satisfaction, customer satisfaction was doubled, where the revenue was up, customer retention was improved, contract renewals were at an all-time high because because of that focus and the investment in a team. So I was brought on as a single person to lead and grow and build a CX organization. So I wore a ton of hats until I had a team and I had to keep proving the results. I get a little bit of budget and then ask for more when we did some pilot programs and there's an evolution for asking for more. But I would say that when there's a will, there's a way. And just to turn a massive boat around, clearly not by myself, but that was huge. And I feel like I could walk into any company now and take the same framework and shift it to be customer-centric over process and engineering and internal focused for reaching those goals. That's that's really a great example, Stacey. I, I just love um, conversing with a practitioner like you because there, you're just, you have so many of these rich experiences that you can share um, with our listeners. And what are your thoughts about where we're headed now, as I suggested to you? What are you seeing emerge in the area of customer experience? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I believe a couple of things. One, outsourcing is becoming very popular. Um, business processing, outsourcing, BPOs is clearly a big need because companies want to focus on their core business. And so that's, I see that rising and that's a lot of different functions. It's not just a contact center. I believe that feedback collection, voice of customer, voice of employee, voice of patient, et cetera. There's more sophisticated technology and platforms to be able to make sense of the customer data. We've had to do a lot manually over time. So I'm seeing a rise in those technology that have AI, that have predictability modeling and such, those are booming. I see brands investing more in the function of customer experience. Again, where it sits is varied, but I see companies understanding. There was a time where I'd say the word CX 
and people looked at me with 10 heads. Now, much more, many more people know even just an acronym of CX. So that tells it by itself that this field has grown in importance and people are adopting the philosophy, even on a small scale. I do believe that Net Promoter Score has been traditionally used and companies are expanding past NPS, which is a good thing. It's a great place to start, but not end in terms of CX measurements. And again, more consciousness and mindfulness around diversity, equity, inclusion, because there's a close link to from CX and DEI, and it takes time to show the impact of it, but we know it's important. The world's telling us you don't have a choice. And in fact, some customers are choosing companies because of their intentional focus on DEI. So those are really interesting topics that, frankly, I haven't heard a lot of our guests expound on. Certainly DEI, I would say, has been the most frequent one, but um, the the whole outsourcing um, and BPO and so forth. It, what what do you think? You you touched on it briefly, but what do you think is driving that? Because of course that was very very hot. You know, five to ten years ago, it seemed that obviously with the pandemic backed off, and so you're seeing it it, it accelerate again, coming back into play. Yes, but differently. Hmm. Um, BPOs are looking at customer pain points more closely and offering solutions to free up time for their staff and making better use of the skill sets of their staff. So for a company that sells sneakers, they're not in the business of call centers. They're in the business of design and production and marketing of their sneaker. So companies like that, as an example, are moving those functions that are not core to their business to experts. Now, sometimes it's augmentation. It's not full outsource, but still there's multiple use cases. And so I see that happening. I also know that their BPOs are not all the same. I've used some BPOs that were absolutely awful and wasted my time and money from a brand leadership perspective. And there's others that are doing it right and they're purpose-driven and they really care about the business and of their agent's success. Um, There's a right way to do BPO. Um, from both the customer who's buying services from a BPO, as well as the BPO, who's the solution provider. I have a lot of opinions on that, having worked in the space and both sides. Mm -hmm. Uh, I very good perspective on that. And then the, the other comment you made was about moving beyond NPS. Do you want to expound a little bit more on that comment? Yes. Yeah, so that's part of uh, of my heart and science CX framework. That's part of the science, science bucket. And 
there are a lot of metrics that are becoming more popular for good reason. And I would say that you really want to dig deep into if you use NPS, most companies do. And someone says, yeah, I would recommend. Well, why? Why would you recommend? Really digging deep into the why, not just the score. And so there's a variety of answers to the why. An example that's not new, but many companies haven't used effort score. How easy or difficult is it to get help, customer service, when you have a problem with your product or service? What's that level of difficulty? Is it easy? Is it hard? Well, we know that if it's difficult, I'm not going to recommend your brand. And so there's a series of questions that you can ask customers along the customer journey, those moments of truth that help you know whether you're doing CX right or not. And some of them are transactional and some of them are relationship oriented because for companies that have contracts with customers, you want to make sure that the right moment in time before the contract is up for renewal, that you want to get feedback on how the relationship is. So we can talk about questions, the order of the right questions in survey process and focus groups. That's a whole nother topic. I just want people to know that NPS is a great start, but digging into the why, one I'm giving you now is the effort score. There's many others. Once again, listeners, um, Stacy Sherman joining us today with really um, great observations and perspectives um, that are founded in her many years of experience in working in organizations to drive customer experience. And, and I especially like, Stacy, I've liked all your comments, but especially the comments on NPS because I think sometimes organizations chase the number and not the whys. And, and I think you've, you've done a great job of putting that in perspective as well. Thank you. I can't believe how fast our time goes. I always can tell a guest is really interesting when I look at the clock and say, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we've been at this already <laughs> quite a while. And it's we could go on for, like you said, a couple of times, we could go on for an hour just on that topic. But mm-hmm. before I let you go, just a few final questions. What is um, What are some words of wisdom you have? I mean, all along this podcast, you've had some great words of wisdom. But if I'm a CX practitioner, CX professional listening this podcast, listening to your perspective and your years of experience, what what are some words of wisdom that you might uh, leave them with um, um, on this podcast? I would say that your job description probably doesn't say you are the glue to the organization, but I want you to realize you are and you have the role to help every department understand how they have a customer experience job. And if you don't understand that, or you don't know what to do with that, call me because not only will you change the culture, not only will you bring the goals to life, not only will you break silos, 
you're helping the company and you're also helping your own personal brand. So that would be my parting words, how you have a CX job, whether you realize it or not, and help everybody understand their role in it because it's much bigger than you or me. And yet there's a movement happening and those companies that really take this seriously will win now and into the future. I love those words of wisdom, Stacey. And if our listeners want to learn more, how is it best for them to get in touch with you? I welcome it. Doingcxright.com is where you'll find a lot of my free resources. I'm also available for coaching and advising, doing keynote speaking and workshops. My podcast is on my website and I'm on all the social channels. So sharing nuggets every day, literally, and uh, learn and pay it forward. And she does indeed do that, listeners. So um, Stacy's uh, not kidding. She's uh, a great resource, um, a well-known practitioner, and um, really fine podcast guest, as well as a podcast host. So Stacy, thanks so much for joining our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your networks, as well as share the podcast on my fellow podcasters of the CXFM radio network. Until our next podcast, thank you. Thanks for joining us for this session of CXFM radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.